You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi everyone, Annie here, first showreel focusing on Australian film and filmmakers. And today we're highlighting A Stitch in Time, which is opening in cinemas on February the 17th. Written and directed by Sasha Hayden, A Stitch in Time is one out of the box. It follows the life of a woman named Lieber, played by Maggie Blinko, who reaches a fork in the road when her long-term partner, the selfish Duncan, played by musician Glenn Shorick, finally pushes just too far and she leaves to fend for herself. A Stitch in Time is about love, age, passion... Before we listen to a chat I had with Sasha Hayden about his film, I have two double passes for the Nova for A Stitch in Time. If you are a 3CR subscriber or want to become one, you can ring on 03 9419 8377. That's 9419 8377 for a double pass to A Stitch in Time at the Nova. It begins on February the 17th. You just need to leave your name and number and we will leave a double pass at the candy bar at the Nova for pickup. So, Sasha, it was a lovely film, uh, but also it was more than that. It was a fascinatingly well put together film. So can you tell me a bit about the project, how it came about? Uh, Well, uh, Don McAlpine and I, we decided to, I guess, do a little bit of an experiment in in filmmaking and we created a project around the idea um, of a model a model similar to a teaching hospital where we would have a mixture of masters and apprentices working together um, we couldn't allow the patient to die um, but we were there to um, learn from and be inspired by each other we we kept the crew as small as we possibly could so it was a more intimate um intimate experience and I I feel sometimes when there's less people you you feel more more included and um, we had this incredible uh, camera from Panasonic that enabled us to uh, film in a way that we could cut a lot of corners with regards to lighting and um, yeah, basically with regards to lighting, which enabled us to uh, cheat like you wouldn't believe in order to get the same Hollywood look. Uh-huh. Um, one, one thing we did is we, we shot 4K RAW, um, which seems counterintuitive for a smaller budget film. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the logic would tell you to just shoot 2K non-RAW because you save all this money on data and everything, but by shooting with this 
Panasonic Varicam, which enabled us to shoot in incredible low light, plus shooting 4K and RAW, um, enabled us to produce an incredible Hollywood look. Yeah, it does. It looks. And also, of course, Don McAlpine is a incredibly experienced and a man of accolades. Absolutely fantastic to be working with him as the, as the camera. Yeah, it, it was, it, it's, uh, I've known him for, we've been friends for many, many years and um, it's, it was, in, it was, in, it was a dream come true. Um, I've said this to a few people, but there was, there's, um, I think on the toughest day where there's so much going on, um, it was a, it was one of the, a, a strong logistical challenge at the markets um, and, we had to shoot different pieces of in the live markets, but then match that to a, a separate day when the markets weren't live. So it was it was incredibly complex to figure out how to do it. There was a lot of lot more people involved, and we had quite a small crew. And it was probably the one of the most exhaustive days for me. But at the end of it, I just was smiling, thinking. We're making a movie. <laughs> We've done McAlpine, <laughs> and it was just—it was just brilliant. Um, it was such a tr- the whole film was just such a treat. And at, at one point, Don said it's the most fun film he's ever worked on. I'm, I'm sure he's—I'm sure it was in the moment, but he—he he did have a good time. And, and a lot of the younger guys have all gone on and are now working on other films as well, um, which is great. And uh, yeah, and and I think I think. For me, for me personally, creative endeavors are important that they're not in vain, that we achieve what we set out to achieve, that we we tell a story and hit the emotional points that we intended to hit, that the spark of wow, wouldn't this be a great great film becomes wow, wasn't that a great film? So it's 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 essentially keeping that spark alive is for me keeping the patient alive and i think we to the credit of everybody that that contributed in any way to this film i think we we achieved that well it was originally called lieber but then you changed it to a stitch in time that's actually significant isn't it it, it is um we i had uh, a wonderful man, uh, Mark Wooldridge, who used to be the used to run um, Fox Australia, um, Fox Studios Australia. Uh, he he, we, we did some testing. Um, we um, there's a lot, there's a lot of thought. You, you've sort of caught me off guard with that question because there's a, such an incredible amount of thought gone into what the name of the film and, and why we changed it. But I think. Um, it was a lot in consultation with Mark Wooldridge who came up with the, the title. Um, I think so one you're of saying the, it was about marketing rather than the um, uh, intent, the theme thematic intent. Uh, yeah, yes and no. The, the marketing should reflect what the film is and the, the title Lieber wasn't doing that. The, and it took a while to realize that. One comment came back to Belinda Giblin, who 
a friend of hers came to a screening that, that she wasn't able to attend. And he told her in a text or an email, great film, terrible title, sounds like a European art house film. And that was a bit of a shock to me because the what Mark was saying is the title should reflect the film and the title wasn't doing that. So um, I, I think it was the, I guess the, the film was wearing a, the wrong hat in a sense. And it was, it was realizing that. So yes, it's a, it's marketing, but, but good, good marketing isn't about spin. Good marketing is about um, uh, allowing an audience to know that there's something great to be seen here. And, and this is, this is in a sense what it is. So to start with is the title, the images and everything to sort of be in line with the, the sort of joy and the emotion that the film is. So um, I, yeah, I think. Cause originally it was, it was Liebe, Liebe was the title. It's a, um, a picture of about a particular woman. It's a, it's a, her story. But actually, it places it into a bigger context, doesn't it? Because it's all about an older person embracing a passion that she had left behind because she was in love, really. Oh, she sacrificed her life for someone else's dream. Yeah, I, I, I know, and I think it's, yeah, I, I there's. There's moments, I think, which becomes quite heartbreaking in a lot of people's lives when they feel like, have I wasted all my years with this person? I've tried so hard. And and just the, I think people... Well, she actually says it. She actually says, I thought being a good person was enough. That, you know, she was naive. She felt she was a fool. Yeah, I think she, it was, it was, I, I'd love to, I'm not sure if we should talk about the very end of the film, but it's, it's, there's a, this, this is a great conversation around that. Um, I'm just trying to think of a way that I can talk about it that doesn't give, give the story away, but, you know, it, it's really up to, to Duncan, the, um, played by Glenn Shorrock, that is there was there meaning in this relationship, or, or wasn't there? And even in the last few seconds of of, of our existence, can change the whole meaning of of that existence. I think. Um, so I mean, you can get quite philosophical in that well, regard. Well, it's quite but- profound, really, isn't it? The whole thing yeah. is pretty profound. Yeah. You bring together some fantastic actors. Like Glenn Shorrick was a great choice. Uh, you had some very uh, deaf choices. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn Shorrick was very interesting. I, I originally wrote the um, I originally wrote the screenplay for Jack Thompson, um, but he he wasn't able to do it because he was working on another film, um, and. We also had sent the script off to um, 
Maggie Smith and she her agent had put it on her dresser but she was away and I came confronted to Don about well we've got this we've got a lot of things in place here but now all of a sudden we're waiting on Maggie Smith but if she comes on board it's going to mean the whole film's completely different and and also Jack Thompson wasn't available and Don's advice to me was if you wait around for Maggie Smith, all the momentum you've built up for this project's going to fall away. So we, so Susie Maisels, who's since passed away, a wonderful um, casting director, suggested um, or, or really insisted on Maggie Blinker, and and then and she came on board, and then she actually suggested why don't you try Glenn Shark? And I just, I. I sort of Google Glenn Shrug just to sort of see what he looked like and to see how he might work with Maggie. And there, there he was on stage and he's starting to sing um, Cool Change, like fairly recently. And honestly, he had me in tears within 10 seconds and I'm like, right, that's... And I think before the song ended, I had um, found his contact and was dialing his number before the song had ended. So... And it was really wonderful that he came on board. And uh, a, a wonderful friend of mine, Terry Capsarepa, who wrote the songs, beautiful songs for the film. Um, he, Glenn, loved the songs. And, and um, yeah, that's how that all sort of came about. Yeah, and, and John Grieg, what a great actor. I know he's now passed away. But those scenes that they had together um, made me laugh, really made me laugh. Uh, it reminded me of the sort of hard-nosed, my father, you know, uh, lawyer, you know, it was that hard-nosedness. It was just so funny to me, the way he performed. He was such a great actor. Yeah, it's, it's, um, he was really, it was really wonderful. Uh, I was really nervous when I met him. Um, uh, he was sort of asking a lot of questions. His, um, um, his wife, uh, she she's she was in costume for the um Sydney Theatre Company, uh, Jane Sheldon. And she's um he he really did it for her because he said, This is Jane's story. And that was really beautiful. Um I think one thing that was I I really wanted to make sure that people were coming on board for the right reasons as well, that it was a genuine passion project that that we um yeah we we're all coming together for what we believed in um and he and Maggie and um Belinda were really excited about John being there um I, the first the first scene we did was him walking up the stairs and telling Levi to shut up quit it with the sewing machine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at six in the morning um and it was really interesting because he came up and he he played it completely differently to what I intended. And I'm like, oh my God, he's doing it all wrong. And I I spoke to him and I explained it to him. And then he came up and just nailed it. And I was it was just it was it was really interesting because he, he was he was one of the more he was probably the most nervous person I was directing because everyone's like so excited that John's there but yeah I was like 
no, he's doing it wrong. Oh my God, why is he doing it wrong? And then I'm giving him advice and, but then he just, he got it and nailed it and it was brilliant. And it was so much fun working with him and he was, yeah, um, we became really good friends. He came along to the, um, he, he saw the film and he loved it. He came along to the, um, the recording um, when we were, we had the orchestra in a track down and we had like 15 string piece string section and Bill Reesby on piano recording the soundtrack. And he came along and was just thrilled, thrilled as we were laying the music down. And um, I was, we, yeah, we were friends. We became good friends and I was really shocked to hear that he was unwell. And I, but I did visit him in hospital and was able to show him some Vox Pops of everyone coming out saying how much the film meant to them and how wonderful it was. And he was, he was so happy he'd seen the film and he did, he did get a sense of, of that the film meant something to people and, and that was really wonderful to, to give him that experience. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 8.55 on your dial. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel. We're chatting with Sasha Hayden about his film A Stitch in Time. It starts in cinemas on February the 17th. Just a reminder that we have two double passes for A Stitch in Time at the Nova in Carlton. If you are a 3CR subscriber or want to become one, you can ring on 03 9419 8377 9419 8377 for a double pass to A Stitch in Time at the Nova. It begins on February the 17th. You just need to leave your name and number and we will leave a double pass at the candy bar at the Nova for pickup. The other thing is how effortlessly you include a very important element, which is the uh, um, Hamish, who is a skilled artisan and a friend, but it also opens this door to uh, Chinese immigrants or Chinese Australians, effectively. But it's not the, on the main stage. It just is actually just part of the fabric of Australian society. I found that absolutely fascinating. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I, I, the diversity in the film in that regard wasn't really conscious in writing it. My partner is Chinese, and he was studying, he was studying actuary at Macquarie University. And so... One, we had we had other students living with us, and I was very aware of this subculture in Sydney, and it's just a part of my. It was just really a part of our life, so it was nothing. It, it sort of made sense, you know. You see, you see the signpost where she where she was looking and found, you know that, that you can see those. Those oh, you see, posts. you see it also for ads for uh, people uh, for jobs in cafes. Yeah, yeah, and it's you see it in Melbourne too. It, I don't think I. We live in one of the most successful multicultural societies in the world. It's the. I don't think the diverse aspect character wise 
for me wasn't anything special. That's just Sydney. That's that's you know. Um, well, that's why it's so successful, and I, I it's the first time I've actually seen it where it's not like oh let's put on a dance routine around multiculturalism and ordinary people being ordinary people. I I didn't realize I was making a multicultural diverse film really until we did the first test and it became quite apparent to what people were saying. I, I was aware of the Chinese aspect. Um, I was very, I was very, very conscious of that. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Um, oh, anyway, it's successful. You've done a great job. I, I think you. it's really, Thanks. really interesting. It, it adds colour to this whole dynamic. And the other thing was the uh, dynamic around fabrics, because I know people who are into fashion and fabrics. I mean, I found the red fabric just lovely. I have to say the damask. Oh, that's amazing! That 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 and that dress is just beautiful. Like that's amazing dress um, from yeah from Kitten Demore. They just provided us with everything. I I used to walk in the Kitten Demore shop and imagine that that was what my character my character's shop. This is her shop, and so I'd when I tr- was trying to understand the character, I'd walk into Kitten Demore. And say, so, okay, so this is this is my character's shop, and I'd I'd try and understand and look at the type of clothing, and yeah, so that was my that was the way I could enter that kind of aspect of my character was just visiting that shop, and then when I asked if they would provide, they were just so they were they were such awesome sport that you know we got this. Providing all the all the clothing, anything we wanted, um, we were just constantly surprised. We just asked for stuff, and that, and we just we got anything we wanted from that shop. Well, it's fantastic! The beautiful clothes, absolutely well, we, beautiful clothes. And I don't know if you noticed, we we've actually credited that we've given them a single card credit. Yeah, I did. Is there a character in the film? Because in my heart, they're a character in the film. Yeah. That, Kitten Demore, it's amazing. I think uh, so too. To yeah, absolutely. And I suppose we should uh, finish up. Uh, one of the things, though, to finish up is this handshake between uh, the young and the old. It, it is a beautiful film for uh, um, unmasking a sense of uh, the importance of older people uh, creative, creatively and also communally. It was a very nice aspect to this film. That's really... I think that's probably the biggest part of myself in the film. I have so many um, older friends that have I rely on to. They've been through it all, and they know what they know where the, I guess, landmines are or the obstacles are. And they, I think, just the inclusion. I just think the more you include everybody, it just the more life sort of makes sense and the more enjoyable life is for me personally. But I have so many older people like um, Don McAlpine, uh, Michael Kirby, um, uh, a a lot of other older people that are still active, that are still doing things. Um, You know, we talk, we laugh, we learn from each other, we inspire each other. And I, I did see, I was very conscious that that's not everybody's experience. Um, 
but I think there's more to old people and there's more stories to old people than um, and then, then the, the, then the kind of falling apart of the machine, so to speak. Um, there, there's a lot more there. Um, little kids can see it, and I think it should be part of our stories as well. Thanks for talking to me, Sasha. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's it for Showreel this week. Tune in next week for more Australian film and moving image-focused news. Until then, keep safe. Bye for now.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.